Rusty Quill presents. Religious people say, um, you know, I know why this happened. This happened because of God. Uh, as you pointed out, that these two substations sustained gunfire at one of the substations. A gate was taken. <laughs> Wireland Ranch, an amalgamation. Hi, friends. Unfortunately, I will not be here with you for this particular episode. I have to hand it over to an associate, as I am currently at a dig site and may be tied to a tree, but that is neither here nor there. You will learn all about that if and when I get free, and rest assured, I will be free, but... It is serendipitous timing, as they can tell you far more about these happenings than I can, as they were there, in the flesh, if that's how you prefer to look at it. In the flesh. Before we go any further, though, before I pass the reins, I need to give you a sort of history lesson. Now, much of this will not make sense in this moment where we are in the story, but it will help shed some light on our Mr. Orange overall. You see... Before going on his trek into the desert, Mr. Orange worked as head of security and investigations for Mojave Logistics, and before that, he was involved in various research projects conducted in a joint effort between the CIA and a few other alphabet agencies, some known widely and some not known at all. One you may have heard of is MKUltra, you know, good old failed government mind control and when I say failed, I mean the ultimate overarching goal of creating sleeper cell agents that can be activated with a word, maybe, probably, failed. But no one can say that for sure one way or another, and if they could, well, they sure as hell would not tell you. But Naomi did not fail in several other regards. And those will be revealed to you over time, but what's important now is Mr. Orange's involvement in a little place known as Ravensclaw Psychiatric Hospital. This is not a name I would expect you to know. In fact, if you have heard that name before, then you are likely in a very small and very protected class of people, and I probably hate you. Ravensclaw was where a vast majority of some of the more successful MK experiments occurred, and also where Anarka the sole surviving housemate of the dope show is living out the rest of their days. Ravensclaw is also a sort of modern origin point of Mojave logistics after having been reborn out of the pile of burning trash made of its original entity, Godwin Enterprises, in the wake of the historic collapse of the dope show and the legal battle that arose from this collapse. But Nathaniel Godwin, CEO of Mojave, learned... From the greats. If there's ever a scandal too big to overcome, change the name. No one ever looks further than the name. See, friends, Eric Prince's mercenary company was originally called Blackwater prior to a terrible attack on Iraqi citizens in what became known as the Nisour Square Massacre. Four Blackwater consultants opened fire on civilians while escorting an American convoy through Baghdad. Twenty Iraqis were brutally murdered, causing a huge hubbub about Blackwater and their necessity to modern warfare. Now, 
You'd probably expect a company involved in such a thing would no longer be in existence, but boy would you be wrong. Eric Prince saw no retribution or consequence from this, and all he had to do was change the name of his company. This is how Blackwater became Academy, and it worked like a charm, and Prince still has a private army to rival the size of most countries at his beck and call, and friends, this is all true. Just take a moment to look it up. So Godwin followed suit as billionaires tend to do when the dope show ended with the death of its entire cast. Aside from one individual, Godwin changed the name to Mojave Logistics, and it is now one of the most successful companies in existence built on the blood of its employees, much like Nestle and Chiquita. Quick footnote here. Chiquita, the cute little blue label sticker of the woman that adorns almost every banana you've ever purchased, is the successor to United Fruit Company, which ran an actual authoritarian regime in Colombia and the West Indies and committed numerous massacres so that you can buy bananas at a reasonable rate. Also, bananas are radioactive. Just saying. So, after the events of Casa Cyana, and the dope show, which you will be learning the details of in the not-so-distant future, Godwin Enterprises became Mojave and none of you were any the wiser, and Ravensclaw carries on experiments to this day, clear and absolutely free from prying eyes. Take a gander, when you can, at the Monarch Project. It just so happens that Godwin's father is Dr. D. Ewan Cameron, the doctor who created a vast majority of the successful MKUltra experiments and coined the term psychic driving, which is what we are going to be witnessing here today. Our Mr. Orange is going to need to make a decision with us, you see, and friends, that decision is simple. Does he help mankind by working against the Wireland, or does he help the Wireland by working against mankind? And to reach this decision, friends, well, you and I are going to be doing a little psychic cruising of our own. So, friends, I will be here with you for episode 7, where we will head so far back into the future that we might as well be right now. For as that old show says, time is a flat circle. Goodbye, friends. See you again here, round the bend, very soon. Palindrome. One half of it, anyway. So you can call me Palin or Drone. It's all the same to me. I was asked to come and report to my superiors, and since you're looking pretty superior, I guess you are the thing I seek to report to. I think. I confused myself. I'm sorry. What do you wish? To report, I have almost caveat 
sweet right now and I'm very hungry. So hungry, in fact, that you look like quite the snack. Ooh, not sexually, I hope. We are asexual, and I'd hate to let you down. But on the bright side, I am eternal, and therefore, I can be eaten forever. I may just take you up on that. What is your report forever? Snack. Results for Project Agent Orange. Successful. Would you like the details? We can do a flashback, I guess. Flashback. Yes. A narrative device designed to interrupt the chronological order of the main narrative to take a listener back in time to illustrate past events. Flashback. In this case, interrupting my narrative to tell you things I know you already know. Yes, yes. Flashback sounds delightful. Fine. How far back? Millennia. Well, how about last week? Millennia. Fine. There were the heavens, and then there was the earth. The old gods were murdered long ago and replaced with the likes of you. Cretans, born with the worst concentrations of energy. And then last week, one agent, Russell Orange, walked close to Wireland. He was intercepted by the Sherpa. The Cajun fella? One and the same. He works for you, last I checked. And Cajun sounds racist. Everyone works for me, whether they know it or not. This is my point, exactly. Do we really have to do this right now? Like right now, right now? Continue with your report now. Agent Russell Orange, age 40, employment precarious. The family of our newly initiated overseer hired Agent Orange to track him down after his unfortunate disappearance. I imagine this was your plan in the beginning, but I cannot be certain of that. And if I asked, of course you'd say yes. So again, I'll remain uncertain. Orange was then offered a deal by the Sherpa. The Cajun Again, that sounds very racist, but yes. He was offered a deal by the Sherpa, which he refused outright, but probably mostly because his mind was shattered by what he saw before him. As we both know, some of our Sherpa's forms are less appealing than others. Are you still talking about the Cajun fella? From there, he was escorted by the Sherpa to Ravensclaw, where he was then processed. I have documented Dementia Lens footage from their interactions. Trigger warning. Excessive mind manipulation and insertion of thoughts that are not your own ahead. Please proceed with caution. If you choose to stay, understand that everyday people were used in the development of this method. Some walked in rooms, alone for months, under the guise of curing mental instability. First, he was led to Raven's Claw and placed in a chair. But not any chair that you or I have ever seen. It sat in a silent gray room hard as stone. Adorned with straps and wires, fitted with a helmet, 
Agent Orange was strapped inside, and the helmet placed over his head. I am unsure if you understand the process, as none of you god boys are very bright, so allow me to illuminate. Psychic driving is commonly understood as a tactic in which a person is put in a sleep room where they then have a phrase repeated to them ad nauseum. In some cases, hundreds of thousands of times, until that person comes to believe the thought is their own. And while this is true in some cases, specifically in its original form, it must be understood that through the years, evolution occurred, as evolution tends to do. The helmet itself, a flat black Hanmi half-helmet, quite like Snoopy once used during his flying ace daydreams, is retrofitted with speakers throughout, and a screen that slides down from within the shell. As the screen slid over Agent Orange's face, two metal arms with contracting claws reached down on each side, forced his eyes open, and held them there in stasis. Every 1.26 minutes, the claws would drip a mixture of purified water and polyethylene glycol into the sclera, not out of a concern for his comfort, but rather a cold, pragmatic necessity. The subject must always be made to look, and though the room itself is called the sleep room, no such escape exists within its walls. You might remember, I mean, you've been through quite a lot since then, but you might recall I inoculated you out there in the desert while you cried and screamed like a little bitch. You remember? That tiny little silver drop I gave you while you were lost in her screams, while you were busy reliving the past as you tried to escape from the present. Well, you should be feeling that in all its glory right about now. An hour Mr. Orange was feeling it. The drop he was given, a combination of psychedelics, ranging from the compounds found in the angel market to lysergic acid dilithamide, and spores collected by the lotophages found within the deepest recesses of Wyland had begun to seize him in more ways than one. In his mind, the nightmare is real and never-ending. A perpetual loop of his worst recollections of the past slips Lady Mitchell, seemingly developing as separate sentience from themselves. The memory he has of holding the raggedy and doll tight to his chest. In a dark closet, while his father beats his mother on the other side of the wall, her screams piercing the very soul and grating sluggers from his heart. When he lost his grandmother from a heart attack, from where he sat on the an old wood panel station wagon. While the sheriff was throwing her things onto the street because her landlord raised the rent beyond her means. The cops thought she was faking and did not call an ambulance. She died on the asphalt. And finally, when he ran through the bloody gardens of the Casa Kiamba, a slice of heaven on earth overcome with neglect and violence, and heard the Marcus cries for the first time as she sat cold and scared and pleading with her lover to let her live. All of these evocations became more than themselves in that palace's mind, growing hoofs and snarls, and an encompassing need to sip the young blood like nectar from his inner child. And as those recollections shed the past from themselves and exchanged for identities of their own, and became the monsters that will haunt him until his dying days, he could not move. He could not fight. 
The cure artery, paralysis, kept him still in place. As though the world were not crashing down within him, and transforming that palace he had existed within for so long into a prison. Which is not a stretch, friends. As the most enlightened among us now, the palace is merely a prison in disguise. While the landscape lying behind his eyes is filled with those morbid memories, changing shape and shifting towards more efficient weapons of terror. And his body was locked in place by both strap and chemical. The screen and the helmet replay his consciousness back to him, exact replications of his thoughts, reflected back on repeat. The voice continues to speak. Steadily we approach the termination of phase one. Dr. Cameron calls this the break phase, for obvious reasons. First, there was your youth, broken and tragic, but you were too young to recognize it, which made both of those things even more true. It breezed by fast while you kept wishing it would go faster. You couldn't wait to grow up, you couldn't wait to leave, and who could blame you? You were the third wheel in a family who couldn't afford you, and that made them bicker and bark. Your room overlooked the alley, and sometimes you'd climb down into the dark, wet streets and stare at the road as you'd sneak and skulk about, watching the way the shimmer would fissure and shift as you moved. You knew, even then, that reality is perception, and in truth, it's all just a game. Over time, you coped with your surroundings with avid suspicion by seeking out the worst in people and combing over your conversations and interactions to pick apart every flaw. To suss out some sort of basic truth about the world in which you find yourself. And that, my friend, is a very wild goose chase. And if you did find an answer, you already know what that answer would be. You saw it when you worked for Mojave, then when it was called Godwin Enterprises, and you were still married. You watched people come in on their first day of work, damn near sprightly, only to see six months come and go, and that same person's ground themselves to dust, vying for the attention of those above them, doing a dance for the money, flailing like burned surrender flags. That, where they get the gleam in their eyes. You know the gleam. You know the gleam. It glitters, green and gold, and can smell your fear. You saw it in the camera watching the boardroom feed when the dope show was pitched to the executives. You watched them laugh and cheer. Can you imagine? They said. Those animals will eat it, and the ad revenue flows. You remember feeling sick to your stomach when you heard the pennies. A social experiment on a distant aisle. Thousands of miles from everything. Give them a cabinet full of drugs and forget to replenish the food. Leave them to cook for three months and see what happens. You can imagine how ugly that looks at its conclusion. Human misery has a tendency to be easy to market, so it was an instant sell. And hey, with enough money, and international waters, anything is possible. You thought it would never happen. Some insurance hiccup or liability situation would bring down the whole production. 
You underestimated Nathaniel Godwin's well when you just see a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And you knew for him it was not about the money, but rather the magic spells making conjure the mana is not concerned. What you did not know, but should have, is the power he would seek. You never guessed it would be that of a god, but that is just what he achieved. And you could have stopped it when you shot him. Only like everything else, you missed, didn't you? Didn't you? So you decided to play the hero. You were going to stop it all. Bring down the big giant corporation all by your lonesome. You searched and seized and sought from dawn to dusk. Your addiction grew with every failure. Then your wife, your poor, poor wife, daughter of the billionaire you worked for, a man you considered a friend, before you attempted to murder him, she was your meal ticket back in the States when you had that hungry look and functional junkie stare. At first you didn't love her, it wasn't until you lost her in the crash that she finally meant something to you. Another pill, another pipe. You always knew, from the day it happened, that there was something more to the crash. You knew she could ingest her at you. Right. You couldn't be completely wiped from her mind. After all, you shared such good times. Right. All those nights you spent out on the streets alone. The days you focused all your energies on Dr. Shelby. For that next corrupt MD, you could blackmail for another prescription. You were a stand-up husband, an all-around good guy. Right. 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 But you wore it, were you? And you didn't, did you? No. Because you are, and always will be the failure you were always told you are. But, you can change that now. sound familiar to you. Now, Agent Orange, looks like you got a choice to make way I see it. Let's be honest, it, it ain't much of a choice, not really, but I know what you've seen, Agent Orange. I know you've seen the very worst in humanity, and I know you want to see it end. Wouldn't that be wonderful? 
put this whole thing to rest. Help me help us. And I don't need to tell you what the alternative is. Remember how she looks. Remember how she screamed. Remember how his eyes looked with that dark gleam. Remember how she looked. Remember how she screamed. Remember how his eyes looked with that dark Remember how she screamed. Remember how she looked. Remember how she screamed. Remember how his eyes looked with that dark, distant gleam. Remember how she looked. Remember how she screamed. Remember how his eyes looked with that dark, distant gleam. Remember how she looked. Remember how she screamed. Remember how his eyes looked with that already yes well why are you still standing here us palindromes have a rule never turn your back on the ghosts of human energy especially the trickiest among them do you need anything else why yes yes i do And friends, we do not want to know what happens behind that wall. Let's just say eternal is being put to the test. Now, friends, I know that was a lot, but we're not through just yet. There is one other small bit of information I must include before we go, you see. In one of my recent reviews of memorandums from that ancient corporate entity Mojave Logistics, I came across evidence of the first mention of codename Wireland. It is in reference, from what I can gather, to the first archaeological discovery made by Mojave all those years ago. So I leave you with this recording, but first, same as always, you can become a ward of the Wireland at patreon.com forward slash Wireland Ranch or follow us on that dying star known as twitter.com at wireland underscore ranch for show notes, announcements, and coverage of police shootings. And finally, now, more true than ever, thank you for coming to see us round the bend. Next time, we prepare for the future.
completed our most recent expedition, we located a cave on the Isle of Jerba, off the coast of Tunisia. You may recognize this as the probable location of Homer's island of Lotus Ears from the Odyssey, something largely considered a myth in the modern world. But we believe we have found evidence of some truth in those old tales. Upon approaching the cave, two of our team were lost in what appears to be purposefully set traps for time immemorial. After the second death, we sent in Mojave Logistics ground surveillance drones to continue the search and we located two objects inside. The first is a type of orchid undiscovered in nature thus far that one of our team have taken to calling the angel orchid due to how the petals sweep up and away like seraphim wings. We will continue to study this flower and provide any discoveries to your office immediately. The second thing is vastly more difficult to pin down. Mr. Godwin, we have no idea what this thing is. It seems to present differently to each person that gazes upon it. It is luminescent blue yet pulses with pink veins. And though it has not moved, we can all feel it. Something is alive in there. And I think it may be the key we have been looking for. We await your instruction.